Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Will we know our loved ones when we get to heaven? Yeah, we will. Why? Because they'll look like each other? No, just simply because we'll know all things when we're there. The the disciples who had spent three and a half years with the Lord, they didn't recognize his resurrected body. Mary, as much as she loved the Lord and saw him there at the tomb, she thought he was the gardener. And some people say, well, it's just because she was overcome with grief. No, I believe because of the change that was there. Will we know our loved ones? Yeah, but they're going to look different. They're going to look different, and they're going to be totally different. It's going to be a resurrected body. The resurrection will continue to play a vital role in our Christian faith. Jesus Christ died and rose again. When he appeared to Mary in the garden, she didn't recognize him. Why wouldn't she recognize Jesus? Pastor David's conclusion is that Jesus had been changed by his resurrection. When we're resurrected one day, we'll be completely different than we are now. God is transforming us now in this life, and one day, when this earthly body dies, we'll be resurrected completely new with Jesus. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The Benefits of the Resurrection. says that, again, we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. How many of you have seen the Transformer movies? Come on, be bold, be brave, okay. Don't be embarrassed, okay. You've seen some. Well, I don't because I don't watch TV or movies because I'm a Christian. I don't know about, no, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What's the deal with the Transformer movies? They're a vehicle at one time and then all of a sudden they're this, you know, huge robotic uh, monstrous thing or they're a robotic monstrous thing then they change to a vehicle. They're just becoming something, you know, back and forth and back and forth. You know what? When God transforms us and gives us a new body, we're not going back again. We're not going back again. When this car, when we're done with this carcass, it's done. It's over with. And he gives us that new and glorious body at that point in time. There is a natural body, but you know what? There will be for each one of us that spiritual body. We don't have to go through this natural body through all of eternity. We don't have to go through eternity with the weaknesses of our natural flesh. We will be raised in power. We don't have to go through eternity with all of our failures, with all of our iniquities, we're going to be raised with a spiritual body conformed to his glorious body. The fact is that spiritual body, don't, don't misunderstand me here when I say a spiritual body, it's not going to be like a, like a spirit. No, there's going to be a real body. 
when Jesus was raised from the dead, when he was resurrected, they saw him. He told Thomas, come and, and touch my wounds. Put your hand in my side. Those wounds were still there. But there was something different about Jesus. Jesus ate with them on several occasions. As a matter of fact, some have said that every time we see Jesus after the resurrection, he was eaten with them. So that's one of the reasons we as Christians eat all the time, and be that as it may. The fact is, is that body was new. It was different, had similar aspects. There was a physicalness to it. But one of the other things you need to understand How did Jesus get into that upper room where the disciples, man, they had the windows and the doors locked and barred and everything, and it says suddenly Jesus was there in their midst. A physical body, but not limited by the physical things that you and I are limited by now. There is a spiritual aspect to it. And again, he was with the guys on the Emmaus Road. They talked with him. They didn't understand that it was Jesus all the time. He was doing a Bible study with them, guys, and they didn't understand it was Jesus until what? He blessed the food. And as soon as he blessed the food, they suddenly realized, man, that's the Lord. But as soon as they realized it was the Lord, he was gone. He was gone. It's not like, okay, close your eyes. I'm going to pray. And while they had their eyes closed, he ditched around the corner and they didn't see him. No, I believe again, spiritually, he was just gone at that point in time. So we know there is a physicalness to it but it is a spiritual body. That's the resurrected body that we're looking at. So again, raised with a spiritual body, but it's conformed to his glorious body. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, Paul goes on to tell us here in verse 45, so it's written, the first man, Adam, and this is the Adam of Genesis, okay? He became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, speaking of Jesus, okay? He goes into this much more in the book of Romans. The last Adam or the second Adam being Jesus himself. Verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward comes the spiritual. The first man was of the earth made of dust. Now, if you don't believe in a literal Adam and Eve, I don't know how you can believe in this word. This word at the very beginning speaks about an Adam and an Eve. Throughout this word, there are references to Adam and Eve. And Paul here says that there was the first Adam, the first man, and he was made of dust. Is Paul just suddenly pulling out this this myth, this, this, this legend, this strange illustration that's been used through the years that's not real in order to prove the resurrection? I don't believe so. Paul is picking up from what he knows to be true. As a matter of fact, he he brings us all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. You don't need to turn there, but there is where it says that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That is creation that God created for man. That's the the reality and the truth that we can hold on to. And Paul here refers to that. Man, the first man, uh, he he, he was of the earth. He was made of the dust. And then still in verse 47, he goes on to say, and the second man, the Lord, he's from heaven. 
And that's just exactly what we we read throughout the New Testament. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 6, he says, I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. A little bit later, still in chapter 6, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. So, no, Jesus wasn't just a good guy that, you know, did some good stuff. No, he himself declares, no, I came down from heaven. He talks about if anyone eats this bread, he'll live forever. And, and the bread which I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The reality and the truth of where Christ came from and how Adam was created by God. Adam, the first man, formed out of the dust of the ground. Christ, the second Adam, comes as the one from heaven. So now, after Paul nails that down, he continues on here in verse 48. And he says, as was the man of dust. Okay, who's the man of dust, church? You can answer me. Adam, the first Adam so also are those who are made of dust. Who are those who are made of dust, church? We be that, okay, okay? That's us. And as is the heavenly man, who is he speaking about? Jesus Christ. So also are those who are heavenly. Who's he speaking about then? Us in the resurrection. Then we're gonna be heavenly. I know most of you right now, you're not very heavenly, okay? But we're all gonna be there one of these days. We're all gonna be there. It's all going to come. Paul continues on. He says, those who are heavenly. And verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so, shall also, so we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Even Solomon himself tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.20, he says, all go to one place, all are from the dust, and all return to the dust. You ever hear it? Dust to dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's where it comes from. But praise God, we don't stay as dust, and we don't remain in the dust. I'll just tell you right now, this coming Saturday, is the one year from the passing of my mom. Uh, we cremated her. Her ashes are in Louisiana someplace. But you know what? God's going to raise her. She's going to have a whole new body. She's not going to have the aches and pains, the things that she was going through at that time. She's going to have a new and heavenly body. Every one of us, unless we're around when the Lord comes at that point in time, every one of us at one point in time, we're either going to be cremated or we're going to be put in the ground. And you know what? After a while, you don't want that old body back. Absolutely not. Because it just rots away. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. At the resurrection, we'll rise. We'll bear the image of the heavenly man. What does that mean? The very image of Christ. No, we're not going to become Christ's. We're not going to become some other God. No, we are going to be resurrected in who we are. And as the word of God tells us, he's going to place within us that change, that change that we're going to be, again, there's going to be similar aspects, but we're going to be totally different. Someone asks all the time, he says, well, I know my, my friends when I get to heaven. 
I, if you know me, you know my responses. Well, if you have any friends that make it, you might. Okay. But will we know our loved ones when we get to heaven? Yeah, we will. Why? Because they'll look like each other? No, just simply because we'll know all things when we're there. The, the disciples who had spent three and a half years with the Lord, they didn't recognize his resurrected body. Mary, as much as she loved the Lord and saw him there at the tomb, she thought he was the gardener. And some people say, well, it's just because she was overcome with grief. No, I believe because of the change that was there. Well, we know our loved ones, yeah, but they're gonna look different. They're gonna look different and they're gonna be totally different. It's gonna be a resurrected body. It's not just a glorious fact that we don't have to stay the same. It's a spiritual reality. We will be changed. We have to be changed. It's not that it's just, hey, man, that's great. I don't have to worry about, man, my arthritis anymore. I don't have to worry about my aches and my pains and all these kinds of my weaknesses of the flesh. No, that's not it. The fact is, is you have to be changed. You have to be changed in order to enter on into glory. What does Paul says right here in verse 50? He says, now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does corruption inherit incorruption. I can't just, you know, finally get myself to where I'm good enough. No, you gotta be changed, totally. There's going to be that complete and total change. Look what he says here. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. I know. That's the declaration or the sign that's on every nursery door in all of Christendom, okay? We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, okay? But let's move on. It's an old joke, okay? Paul says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised But how are they going to be raised, church? What does it say there? We're going to be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. These are familiar words. They're they're familiar to what Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. In in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, he speaks very, he's speaking on a a similar subject of the resurrection, the coming of Christ, the encouragement to the Christian believers of the time about the future that awaits us all. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, Paul reaffirms that on that day, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. What does he mean by dead in Christ? Those who have passed away. My mom is one of them. Some of your loved ones, other ones. They, 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 they were believers and they're gone. They're gonna rise first. And then what does he say? And then we who are still alive, you know what that means? That the Lord's gonna come back in the day that some of us are still alive. I don't know about you, but as I look at this world, and we were talking about this earlier, as I look at this world right now, I, I, I keep thinking I hear somebody warming up on that trumpet, you know, just ready to, ready to make that final blast. The world's getting stranger and stranger. The world is getting progressively more wicked. 
You cannot deny that. You cannot look at the events that are going on, not only in the Middle East, but even in our own country. As we continue to put hundreds of thousands, even to the point now of millions of babies to death before they even get a chance to breathe, take their first breath. Because, again, it's my choice. No, it's not your choice. You had a choice earlier on. You had a choice several months ago. You chose wrong. And now you're going to murder this child. And people say, well, what about rape? What about incest? What about all these things? There is still a life that is not responsible for any of that. There is a life there that, again, God is allowed to be created. It's an honorable thing to allow that child to have life, even if you adopt them out. But to murder that child not only is dishonorable, but I believe that God is going to hold our country responsible for that. And I believe that we are reaping part of that even now in our country. And there's a multitude of other things that I could speak uh, for quite a while of just the, the wickedness that's actually moving through our nation. You, you've seen the changes in, in what our nation allows, what our nation is calling normal, that you and I cannot have a business unless we, again, kowtow to and, and, and serve any and every perversion that, that comes our way. Because again, that would be hate speech. That would be a hate activity. Rather than, again, being able to stand for the morals and the understanding that we have of the word of God. Our nation is changing. Our nation is changing at, a, at, a, at a, an ever-increasing pace. And if you don't understand that, if you don't see that, you need to open your eyes to really look and see. We might say, no, we're getting more progressive in our nation. No, beloved, we are degraded. I don't believe in evolution, but I do believe in de-evolution. And I believe that that's where we're going. We're becoming more like animals rather than, again, becoming that that God created. The dead are raised incorruptible. We who are still alive and remain will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Even as that trumpet blast calls the dead to rise, all at the same time, I believe that the dead will rise with that immortality and that incorruption, and we who are still alive in the flesh, boom, we're going to be suddenly changed, suddenly and dramatically changed. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53, Paul writes to us, he says there in verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, for the Christian, death has a whole new meaning. A whole new meaning. Again, going back to Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he says, there is a time for sorrow. There's a time for crying. When my, when my mother passed away, man, we sorrowed, we wept at the fact that, man, she's no longer there, no longer on Sunday afternoons can we go over there and have dinner with her. No longer can we stop by and visit her. Uh, there, she's just not there for us anymore. When you lose a loved one, there is sorrow in the midst of that. But beloved, we don't sorrow like, that, like those who have no hope. We sorrow in the fact that, hey, for a moment, for a time, 
they're gone. But for the Christian, we need to understand that death is not the same for us. Paul tells us here, death is swallowed up in victory. And that's the idea, this idea of swallowing up. It's, it's the definition of it actually is to, to drink down, to swallow down, a, a means to absorb it, to overwhelm it, to drown it, to destroy it, to remove it. The impact of death for you and I as believers is totally different. The victory of Christ on the cross swallowed up the impact of death for the believers. As Albert Barnes, a Bible commentator says, he says, the power and the dominion of death shall be entirely destroyed. They are brought to an end. The power and the dominion of death. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? We're still gonna die. Yeah, we are gonna die. Should the Lord tarry you know, a few more years, some of you won't be here. A few more years, I won't, well, maybe tomorrow, you know. Uh, you get hit by that truck, right, Bruce? I mean, we, none of us know the number of our days. But you know what? If I die this week, sorrow that I'm gone. But rejoice, man, I'm, I'm in the heavenlies. I'm with the Lord. And one day, we'll be together. And I won't have to preach to you then because you'll know just as you're known. You'll know as, as much as I will. You know, it's different. It's different for you and I as believers. And if you haven't caught that yet, if if that hasn't really sunk in, you need to understand, again, the fullness of the promise of God through his word. The writer of Hebrews gives us the same hope, this freedom from the bondage of death. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, he writes, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, in other words, we we are human, he himself, Christ himself, He likewise shared in the same. He became flesh and blood in order that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, there's within us that that fear of death. You know, we we have that self-preservation thing in there. But yet, you know, when, when Christ comes into our life, there needs to be an overwhelming understanding that even in, the, even in the process of death, I move simply from this realm into the next. I move from this room into the next room. And as Paul says, man, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We need to see that this isn't simply a a New Testament promise either. This is the word of the Lord for all generations. Back in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 25, verses 8 and 9, Isaiah declares that he, speaking of God, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Sounds like Revelation, doesn't it? The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken and it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We've waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. That's the anticipation that, look, our days here are numbered, and we're waiting for the Lord to bring about that change. Either bring us to himself or come and get us. One of the two. We live with that anticipation. We don't live with the anticipation that, man, I want to die right now in order to be with the Lord. No. The Lord determines the number of days for each one of us. 
And that's not for you or I. As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching the open word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on about for information about the ministry of the open word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.